the Wheel of Time Turns and Ages Come and Pass, Leaving Memories That Become Podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover the last chapters of The Eye of the World, chapters 47 through 53, the ultimate episode of this podcast. The ultimate episode. <laughs> uh, last time. Uh, previously, Matt got healed, sort of, but not really. And our newly re- reunited adventuring party, they made their travel plans. They escape into the night and cram a whole lot of travel distance into like a single chapter, which is, as we have experienced uh, the alternative, much, much better. We're, we're, <laughs> we're enjoying this new travel style. Uh, they use the convenience of the ways, which is where they meet their second eldritch horror beyond all human reasoning that they've encountered in this book. Isn't it the third? Wait, so we have... The dark one? Well, they haven't really... I guess they've kind of been... Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> so the third Eldritch Horror Beyond All Human Reason, because first we had Balazamon slash the Dark One. Then we had uh, Shudder Logoth, which is not actually... What, Shudder Logoth? Mashadar. Mashadar, thank you. And now we've got Machin Shin, another Eldritch Horror Beyond All Human Reason. <laughs> They're just like checking the, checking the boxes as they go. Uh, but they use the ways to arrive in Faldara, where everyone seems to has, have as much of a giant boner for land as Jeff does. <laughs> See? So, it's not just me. <laughs> no, the entire city of Faldara is like, yeah, land. Yeah, he's super cool. <laughs> he's so badass. <laughs> and uh, as they're sitting down for dinner and poetry, where land reads poetry, because, you know, he, he's also a poet. He's badass at that, too. <laughs> Patton Fane appears. And that's where we left off. Right. Patton Fane, who is the beggar that's been following Rand this whole time. He is the Gollum of the series oh, so yeah. far. He's definitely Gollum-y. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's true. He's so, creepy and kind of like hunched over and filthy and gross. Right. And and you're supposed to like kind of empathize with him also. He's wretched. Yeah. yeah. I never felt sorry for Gollum. Or really? for or for Pat and Fane. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess you're just hardcore. <laughs> I guess so. I'm so hardcore. <laughs> I think you're supposed to because they're pathetic. But I mean, they don't... They don't, don't well... I feel like Gollum never chose to be Gollum. You know, it was just like he got seduced and turned evil. Pat and Fane kind of yeah, like, they he did take his path. He was a dark friend for forty years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as we as we just learned, he's like, <laughs> no, no, he wasn't captured by the Trollocs. He was just like leading the Trollocs there. And I have to say, the like whole recruiting force out there for the dark friends and everything—they're not subtle. So he knew what he was getting into there. Yeah, that's I, true. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they he really must have some sort of like really sweet benefits package because. Everyone seems to be joining the Dark One. Everyone seems to be becoming Dark Friends. And uh, so far, the only one that we've seen get their just desserts ends up like being burned up in agony. So Yeah, really good parties, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know. one would assume. So, chapter 47, More Tales of the Wheel. With the icon as the, the, those ravens, the ravens of Dark Friends, or sometimes ravens. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes literal ravens. So, Moraine uh, has interrogated Pat and Fane while the others are waiting anxiously. Uh, and uh, while they're waiting, Agamar gives us Lan's badass backstory. <laughs> yeah, they mentioned before, you know, Lan getting his, the sword as a baby. Now we learn that he really literally no, got really, they gave him put a sword, sword in the baby, baby hand. Uh, because Lan is the king of the lost nation of, of Malkir, which used to be northern, north even of Shinar. Uh, but it was because there was some treachery involving Lan's father and Lan's uncle and Lan's uncle's wife and a bunch of people that... Uh, I don't think will ever be relevant. Uh, they're all dead, right? I mean, yeah, they're all, they're all dead super now. Dead. Well, are they? Well, probably. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Oh. But they, anyway, Malkir fell to the, the the blight because they were betrayed by dark friends, uh, specifically by Cohen Fairheart, the dark friend, uh, which I mentioned because he was brought in by Jane Farstrider, who is one of these like 
semi-mythical storytelling people that we've been hearing about this for the, for this whole book, you know. But this so, is like not that far in the past. This yeah, like this this guy is, is a contemporary of Land's dad. Yeah. Right? So this this is less than 50. Well, how old is Land probably? Well, that was my question too. Does yeah. Land have weird like long life or am I just getting him confused with Aragorn in the I, I don't he does not have weird long life, okay. I don't think. Well, he's not Numenorean? I guess we don't know for sure. I mean, we know that the Aes Sedai are ageless, which could mean that they they live a long time. And we know that warders gain power through the Aes Sedai, so it's possible he's long-lived. Yeah, um, I was wondering about that. Maybe he's, like, yeah. a little older. Yeah, so the, the combination of this guy, of this other guy being a dark friend, and of just the jealousy of some of the people in land, the generation that came before Lan, it led to the, the Trollocs overrunning Malkir and the Blight overcoming it. And Lan was survived because... They sent him off as a baby with a sword, and they made him, like, they gave, swore an oath or something for him as a baby. Yeah, and they, um, they anointed him with the diadem of the... Yeah, make him a diademed battle lord of the Malkiri. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they, they sent him with 20 bodyguards, of whom five survived and, like, spent all of Land's life teaching him all the ways to be badass, including poetry. I guess. Maybe one of the bodyguards was just the poetry bodyguard. <laughs> right. And they have the greatest thing. It says, in the blight, he courts death as a suitor courts a maiden, but he will not lead others to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. That's a cool line, but what does that actually mean? Like, a suitor courts a maiden, like, by... Flirting. By, like, giving her nice things and, like, flattering her and, like, trying to make time with her. So, yeah, so he's, like, giving so, gifts to death. So he gives gifts to death. Like I, <laughs> I don't know. He wants to fuck death. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. he's, like, he's trying to be the first one to fuck death. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone's got to be the first, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's a cool line. And all, all the the thing that people are calling him, Dai Shan, I think they said means Diadem Battle Lord. Some kind of battle rank in Malkir. It's a title. In a, yeah. Isn't and, a Diadem basically just like a tiara? Yes. I believe so. Um, but in this circumstance, they were saying they anointed his head with oil, so the diadem might be just like a, like, not a literal diadem, yeah, but a metaphorical it's, it's diadem. Yeah, like it's a manly diadem. Okay. Well, they, they, they put oil across his forehead, which could mean that that's like, a, that, that's the diadem. Oh, uh, right, yeah, Possibly. Okay. So, yeah, he's, they also call him the Uncrowned, because he's the king of Malkir, but all the Malkiri are dead. And he, not, on top of all that, he's the best of the warders. Which makes him the best of the best. Yes. He's the he's this the most badass, this badass that ever badass in Badass Town. Right, yeah. And badass like, Town specifically is Malkir. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> and he just likes likes to hang out in the blight for funsies. Yeah. He goes this, vacationing there. And this makes Nineveh all emotional because she got a thing for Lan. She's like, Oh of course he's a king. Yeah. And luckily before we can talk about feelings and stuff, Moraine comes back after yeah. having interrogated Pat and Fane. Thank goodness. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm very grateful that the whole, like, backstory didn't last very long, because one of the things, one of the things that I have trouble with in fantasy is I feel like there's a lot of times you'll try to read something, and it'll go off into this really long, elaborate backstory about all these people, and there's all these names, which I'm already terrible about, so I was mm-hmm. very grateful that this was short and sweet, so thank you, Robert Jordan. Right, yeah. The names were still all there, though. You, yeah. You know the difference between Al-Akir and Lane and Isam and Brayan yeah. and Cullen Fairheart. I, I, I tried my best, but I kind of glossed over it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, it's just a lot, right? It's a lot of names. Fortunately, like, they don't seem important. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so much you might, like, 
the people in the story that are listening to the story are kind of like, why is he telling us all these names? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't you just tell us that he's like the last survivor of the, the people that the frolics killed? Yeah. I mean, it's like interesting history, but really like we've got more important things to worry about here than like the history lesson of the of the Malkier who are long dead. <laughs> but it is really short though. It's like literally three pages, I think, which is yeah. fine. In a 5,000-page uh, novel. And it's a super... I feel it was like a super samurai movie kind of backstory, you know? Yeah. Like, trained by warriors, you know, and, and very honor-bound, you know? Well, last time you brought up this... Uh, y'all were talking about this idea that it's very Eastern in a lot of ways. And yeah. I, I I totally agree with you. And even looking at... I was trying to pronounce some of the language that they speak. I wish I... I don't have an example in front of me, but it mm-hmm. sounds... It sounded very Eastern to me. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Yeah, Ninto Mashima Taishate Daishan. Right. Sounds... Even though I'm probably being super racist right now because I don't. No. <laughs> it's like saying, "Oh, French sounds like fofo fofo." Fo, but I think it's well, kind of exactly. Does. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. What did you say in French? <laughs> <laughs> Something about your mother. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, this, and it's nowhere else we've been so far has a different language, mm-hmm. uh, but this place does. You know, that's true. And they do. They, they mentioned that it could be old, like the, it could be that you know it's not a, not a well, not a language that people speak much anymore. Yeah, right. Maybe another derivative of the old tongue, yeah. which I assume the common language is that they're speaking. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Moraine comes back and she's interrogated Patton Fane, and she says a bunch of stuff about him, and that, that explains explains some of the stuff we were questioning in the earlier chapters. True. Egwene says that. The, the no man can stand in the shadow so long that he cannot find the light again. Oh. Which is, that's I guess that's some kind of folk wisdom mm-hmm. that, that everybody kind of says, but that's very different from the other things we've heard about the Dark One, specifically from Moraine most of the time, which is, you know, that once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. You know, the Dark One never lets, hold, let, lets go of a hold once he's got it on you. And we kind of, I mean, like, every other circumstance seems to support that idea, right? I mean, we, we haven't seen a whole lot of people redeemed after their encounters with the dark yeah, one, right? not one. Yeah, right? have we seen... I don't think so. I don't think we've ever, ever seen anyone turn. Once he once he has his grip on you, it's like you're poisoned, you're... Yeah. You're tainted. It's just uh, got you. So we, we learn from Maureen, uh, which he learned from Patton Fane, which is what has happened to him uh, since the the attack on Emmons Field, and it's really, really bad. <laughs> it's just yeah. like... Yeah, this whole section, I was like... I really felt bad for him. Yeah. I mean, it's just like... I mean, he's he's a bad dude, right? He... he we learned that he's a dark friend for 40 years and that uh, he went to Shail Gull and met Baalzaman and he led the Trollocs to Emmons Field where they killed a bunch of people. That's true. Uh, but then after the our heroes escaped, uh, that he was leading or dragging along, being dragged along with the Fades and Trollocs that were chasing them. And they like dragged him behind a horse and made Put him, him in a cooking pot. Yeah, made him sleep and <laughs> doubled over in a cook pot just to remind him that we're gonna eat you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not today, but someday we're just gonna eat you. Super awful, which is again part of our theme that working for the Dark One sucks. Yeah. I like mean, what what are the perks that make people do this? Because this is awful. So he was a dark friend for forty years. Maybe those forty years were just really, really great, you know? Just nonstop party? Yeah. I mean like he was a peddler, which isn't doesn't seem to be like a high station or anything. Maybe yeah, maybe he had really sweet perks while he was a while he was a peddler. I don't mm-hmm. know, money and something. Yeah, so he managed to find them because when he went to to Shadar Logoth, the the Dark One changed him in some way that gave him a, a magical ability to track these three main guys from Evans Field. Something about like draining him out and then putting him back in. Or yeah, something. that's why because he's been looking for them for three years. 
And uh, and what would happen is he would go to all these little towns, and then would go back to Shatter Logoth, and the the Dark One would download him and <laughs> like refine his brain, and then re-upload it back into his brain. That's right. To make him even better at finding them, uh, which is pretty pretty horrifying. It seems like he did not enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it doesn't seem to have had a positive effect on him. Yeah, but he's and, essentially just like a bloodhound for for them now, right? I mean, that's the idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, he. Also importantly, he was at Shadar Logoth with the the Fades, and he says, but Alzamon was there too. He saw him. He in, saw him driving the Fades into Shadar Logoth. In a candle flame, right? Yeah, flickering like a flame. And that's pretty scary. Alzamon yeah. can appear in real life. But he escaped at Shadar Logoth, but he couldn't run away, even though he was on his own, because he was driven to still hunt the, the three boys. And so he, he had to, like eat while running, like eat beetles and lizards that he snatched while running. And he couldn't sleep until he literally fell over from exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah, there's some weird descriptions going on in here, and there's a few places where Moraine, it, apparently it's so terrible that we don't even know. For example, Fane abased himself and performed rites that would strike you deaf to hear the half of them. But she doesn't tell you what they are, so I'm sitting there wondering, like, what What mm-hmm. the fuck did this guy do? Yeah, we were willing to talk about the, the Trollocs keeping him in a cook pot to eat him. That's pretty dark. What, yeah, what, what else what is, was he doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something really bad, I guess. I guess. Maybe the rights are just really loud. You just like scream for like four hours. Like, I tell you about it, but it'd be like really loud. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume it's horrible stuff, you know, blood sacrifices and stuff. I thought yeah. that was a little lame on uh, Robert Jordan's part to kind of... Like, oh, it was so awful, we can't even talk about it. Well, he does it with the cursing, too, right? He says, oh, curses, so so they would turn your turn your toes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Curl your sure. toes or yeah. <laughs> turn your stomach or something, you know? Yeah. And he also, Patton Fane, came through the ways. Uh, that's how he got there so fast. He was the thing following them in the ways, and he met Machin Shin, and I guess they were like buddies. They were yeah. like, okay. No, it said that Machin Shin was afraid of him. Yeah, well, part of it wanted to greet him, and part of it was afraid of him, but yeah. it left him alone. Yeah. Yeah. It fled him. So, that's unusual. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, he's he's just, like, dosed full of all different kinds of evil at this point. Because in Shadar Logoth, didn't they, didn't they say he he got some of the taint of Shadar Logoth when he was there? Or they didn't say that. Oh, okay. But, in my opinion, when he's been switching through personalities, one of those personalities sounds a lot like Mordeth. That's true, yeah. He has that, that way of talking like a an ancient lord, I guess. I yeah, know. an yeah. ancient lord with a giant red shirt on. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, anyway, it's time to go. Uh, Maureen wants to talk to him more, but they don't have time because they gotta go. And, uh, Maureen does let slip that it's one of the boys that is gonna be doing the fighting, not one of the women she had brought with them, which horrifies Agalmar. Like, what? What do you mean? Because he assumes the fighting's gonna be done with the one power. I mean, that's the only way you fight the Dark One, is with the one power, right? Yeah. And men channeling, that's a bad thing. Yeah, everyone seems like really... I guess we don't have a whole lot of detail about what happens when men channel, except in that prologue chapter, yeah. where you know there's mutilated bodies. And yeah, and the, and the breaking of the world, right? Which is just it just happened. It was just men channeling that did that. There was nothing special. It was just all the men going crazy, right? And I would like to give my shout out to Team Nynaeve, since I'm apparently the only person who really likes her. <laughs> but we find out that when Maureen is talking about these boys coming from Manetherin, uh. Uh, she doesn't give Rand up. Rand is like, hey, so he looks at her and they have this silent conversation. Hey, have you told anybody that I'm not actually from Manetherin? And mm-hmm. she doesn't give him up, which I think is awesome. Yeah, that is true. She's hard-headed even in a good way sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she protects her own. She's, she's, yeah, she's loyal. She's, she's pretty loyal to Evans yeah. Builders. She's yeah. pretty clutch in yeah. the in the parlance. She's, she's <laughs> I don't very, know what that means. 
Uh, I don't even know what that means either, really. <laughs> uh, she's a very useful person to have around. She's very reliable, even though she could be very hard to deal with. Yes. There's a reason they keep her around, I suppose. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> You're right. Uh, that's, a, that's a good vote from Team Naive. I, I don't know. I'm on Team Matt, so I, I can't really criticize <laughs> this. <laughs> Chapter 48. The Blight. And there's a picture of a twisted tree mm-hmm. as the icon. We haven't seen that one before. No. That's a new one, yeah. That's a which I assume is tree. literally a symbol of the blight. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> they leave for the blight. Uh, Ingtar, the guy they met in, in Faldar, escorts them to the border, but Ingtar and his his soldiers are not allowed to uh, actually go with them into the blight for the reasons thus discussed. Yeah, he's actually he seems pretty bummed about the whole thing. He's like. You know, I could be off fighting at the Tarwind's Gap. Yeah. and I could be dying with everybody else, or I could be dying with you, but instead I'm just going to be traveling in between. So lame. <laughs> yeah. Womp womp. Yeah, we find out that the Agamar's army uh, marched to join the rest of Shinar's army. Agamar is not the lord of Shinar. That's what surprised me. He's a lord, but there's a king, Easan, who is the king. Wait, is he the king of Shinar, or is he a king of one of the neighboring... Because there's a lot of little... He's, the, he's just the Lord of Faldara. He's Shinaran. Okay. But he, he works, or he's a, a vassal of the king, ASR, who we didn't meet. A bannerman, as they would say in Game of Thrones. Yeah. So all of the soldiers of Shinar are, are heading towards Tarwin's Gap to fight the giant Trolloc army there. All of them. And all of the, the non-soldiers, all the people are fleeing south because they all assume they're going to die at Tarwin's Gap because the, the Trolloc army is just too big. Uh, and this is the end of Shinar. They're about to be consumed by the blight, just like Malkir where was. That's the expectation, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of a nice little construction by Robert Jordan, because we hear this story of how the the blight, you know, or the, the forces of the Dark One prey on people's jealousies and pettiness, and the blight can spread and take over countries, you know? Like, the people <clears throat> are defeated, and then the land is consumed itself. And so we see that happen to Malkir in the, the story, and that's what we're worried about, Happening to Shinar right now. Yeah, up until this, this is point, what happens. I had always thought of the blight as like a specific geographical place, mm-hmm. uh, but it sounds like it's like a disease that spreads. And and as as we see shortly, uh, Malkir is now part of the blight. So I think the blight used to end at the mountains of doom, right, or something it, like did that. They say that it's, it seems like it, 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 that's like the rough geography. But once Malkir fell, it spread up on the other side. No. Yeah. Well, they do head into the blight now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, everything sucks in the blight. <laughs> everything is. Either rotten or evil and trying to kill them. It sounds like Australia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what I wrote down is it sounds like Houston. <laughs> but going in, there's like everything's hot and sticky. It can barely breathe. It's like, I know a place like that. <laughs> yeah. No offense out there if, if anyone out there loves Houston, but, uh, you know, it's the blight. The blight of Texas. <laughs> so, Land tells the story of how... Even a stick is the most deadly thing imaginable in the blight. Okay. There's well, they stick call it insect. a stick, but it's an insect. Yeah, it's an insect that looks a like stick. a stick. So yeah. if you touch it, it digests you. So Robert Jordan names all of his evil things like more death or like <laughs> super killer. Or, you know, and then he calls Sight like this, this horrible yeah. thing, this 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 thing that like sucks, like put it, put it, it causes you, it, it, it putrefies you. It's like a, you. like a, I think spiders do this. It, it like in, 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 injects digestive fluid into you and like dissolves. And the only way to survive is to like cut off the limb that it bites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he calls it stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, fine, Robert. <laughs> Running out of scary names, I guess. I mean, it's the end of the book, right? He's done pretty good so far. <laughs> That's right. All right, fair enough. <laughs> 
Yeah, so everything, that the trees are all twisted, everything is rotten and smells bad, and there's weird rustlings in the, in the, the brush. They camp uh, and in, by the Seven Towers of Malkir, the Seven Towers we keep hearing about re- as relates to Lan. Uh, he's the lord of these Seven Towers. Yeah, so Moraine's like, oh, hey, Lan, let's camp in the shattered remains of your, like, of your defiled homeland. I mean, really? Yeah, I, I mean... And, and he's like, he's clearly not okay with it. <laughs> Maybe because he's so stone-faced, Moraine just likes to poke him every now and then. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna... Oh, look, it, wasn't this where your family died? We're gonna camp on this spot. <laughs> I think this is where your, your mother fell and, you know, was defiled by the Dark One. Yeah. So they yeah they camp there and they, there's the I guess the beautiful lakes of of Malkir there have like monsters in them and stuff now because everything sucks and the towers are actually broken, you know it's only been a few decades but they're like did the trolls come and literally break like knock down all the towers? I mean the trolls are very destructive. Yeah, I guess they are. Should see if there's trollic poop around there since they apparently do that too. <laughs> yeah, they just like shit on everything. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go camp in the ruins of your, your family's keep, which reminds you of your tragic backstory, and it's probably covered in trollic poop. That's their MO, you know? It's yeah. like, first knock it over the shit on it. Yeah. And, and they describe the most horrifying creature I've ever heard of, but all of my phobias center around water. Mm-hmm. But they're down at the lake, and there's this horrifying creature that has a point like a wasp's stinger, at least five spans in the air. It's got fat tentacles... With as many as a centipede's legs, which sounds just disgusting and horrifying. And yeah. it, I think it also says that the tentacles might also sort of be hands, hands? or something. Hands. Yeah. It's like, right. That's really, really, really <laughs> creepy. Yeah. Those couldn't have been hands on those tentacles. They couldn't have been. Yeah, mm. They probably yeah. were. So are all these things in the blight, do they breed? Is there like a genetic... Are they just like... Like that's one of the hand tentacle stinger monsters? Well, the thing or is... Or is everything like custom created to be crappy? I don't know, because the the other thing that they're wondering is, I think it's Rand who's wondering about that, because he's also like, this critter is way too big to be in this water, so it's, you, mm-hmm. it, it feels, it feels like everything is, nothing is natural there. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's all corrupted. But we know. Created by the Dark One. Right. We never see two of the same thing, but we know at least that there are a couple things with like, that they've seen before, so, you know. Yeah. Like the stick. And, and <laughs> like Lance, stick. Yeah, like stick. <laughs> yeah. Land never seems to have trouble... Like, he never seems to be surprised by anything he sees, so maybe he's seen all this stuff? Yeah. You know, uh, something I wanted to point out is that, uh, you know, they mentioned that everything smells like rotting and death, and everyone's getting really sick except for two people. Lan, obviously, isn't bothered by it because he mm-hmm. likes the smell of farts. And then Heron, <laughs> Heron also is not bothered right. by the smell of the blood. But he's got super smells. Yeah, right? that surprised me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, dogs like to sniff butts, I guess, right? Oh, maybe he's so like maybe it just smells like butts. He's like, like, yeah, this is this is great. I love this. I love the smell. <laughs> it doesn't seem to bother him. He, he, yeah, Parent Parent is uh, this this whole these whole series of chapters. Parent is acting very different. He's, I mean, like we know he's got the wolf thing, so maybe it's protecting him. Maybe it makes it easier. Maybe mm-hmm. he knows more information. We we haven't actually seen anything from his perspective in a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's changing his personality. Yeah, it yeah. does seem to be. He's also uh, caressing his axe a lot and muttering to himself and growling. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little on the nose there. I mean, he's he's overdoing the wolf thing a little bit, right? (laughs) He's like, hey guys, I'm a wolf now. I mean, he is a teenager. (laughs) Exactly, right? It's It's like like, an identity thing. Yeah, Yeah. it's like he got a really cool necklace or something and he wants to make make sure everybody can see it all the time. That's probably what it is. Yeah, like stop yeah. cutting his hair. Or a tattoo or something. Wear one of those sweet lone wolf t-shirts. <laughs> like in The Hangover. Oh, you guys want to talk about wolves? <laughs> yeah. 
So Moraine hides the camp with magic. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. A neat little moment where they, they realize they can't see the camp, but it's because you can only see it from the inside. Yeah, I remember thinking to myself, how are they going to deal with this? Because like, this is clearly not a place you can sleep. But yeah, if you make yourself invisible. Yeah, they got a plan. I wonder how warders do it. Maybe they just never sleep. Mm-hmm. So land, we never, we rare, very rarely see land sleep, you'll notice. It's true. Yeah, he just like patrols all night. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Rand and Egwene have a an actual genuine nice moment together that is not spoiled by anybody, uh, and I wanted to call that out because it doesn't happen very much. That's true. Yeah, this, it wasn't. Was that where she's like, "Oh, uh, would you be my warder?" And he's like, "Yeah, I think I'd like to be your warder." This yeah. is a very romantic chapter. It is. It's a very romantic chapter. Yeah. <laughs> because after that happens, after well, Rand says, "I'd love to be your warder, but I know it's never going to happen." And it's kind of. <laughs> A little bit anime-ish, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But that's impossible. Uh, then, but, but a man could drown in those eyes and be happy doing it. Okay. <laughs> sure, All right, man. What's that, what does <clears throat> that mean? <laughs> and and Mor- Moraine, meanwhile, is like, I believe I can find something for you to do in Tarquan, which is, like, not sinister at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, after this, after everybody's gone to bed, Nynaeve and Lan have a, have a real talk. Mm-hmm. They have a real, real talk. Uh, about how, you know, Lan's he's like, I should have known you'd be a king. Because <laughs> it's so cool. And he's like, I'm not a king, just a man. And she's like, some, I, I actually, I guess I remember this whole freaking thing. Oh my gosh, I'm following along with the book right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're doing good. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Uh, for some women, uh, that's enough. They don't want to, riches or land, all they want is the man. <laughs> that's right. And he's like, but no man would, would, Give a woman just nothing or something like that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, no man would uh, ask a woman. Uh, see, and the man who would ask you to accept so little would be not be worthy of her. Right. Yeah. Oh, you gotta read. You gotta read the next part. Yeah. You are a remarkable woman, as beautiful as the sunrise, as fierce as a warrior. You are lioness wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> so he's even the best at like sexy talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's like really eating this up. Obviously, you're totally like putting yourself in her position, aren't you? You wish you were having this like pillow I mean, talk. I, I'm not saying I wish it would happen, but if I was in that situation, I would. <laughs> right? I mean, who wouldn't? Who right? wouldn't? Right? I wouldn't kick this him is, out of my. This is grade A level. material right here. You are a lioness. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. Jeff is swooning. I, I'll, I'll be honest. As much as I dislike Nynaeve, and I really dislike Nynaeve, this this scene, this is really touching. Like, this got to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it actually does put a, a really... It justifies why Lan is into Nynaeve, which I thought was a little weird, because she's so mean all the time. And it's because she's fierce. He likes that. Yeah. She's like, take no prisoners, you know? He's, he's just into that. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she's reliable. She's strong. She's like, you know, she gets shit done. And that's something that someone like Lan would be really into. For she's sure. courageous. She's courageous. Yeah, yeah she doesn't, doesn't back down for anything. Courageous, no anyone, including yeah. you know, an Aes Sedai. Right, and I and I guess he's really used to dealing with people nagging him all the time. <laughs> that's yeah. true. He's so, like, that's nothing. So, like, have they been? But the thing is, it seems like they went from glances to like relationship level 100 here like were there conversations happening along the way that we were just never privy to or they did travel a long time together but it's also important to remember that this is a long time ago this recording was very different I assume that there's not like a lot of dating that happened you know what I mean sure I'm not saying that they went to the movies together or anything but this is a very serious conversation to be having yeah, there's a lot of assumptions this is marriage the first, talk, right? the first yeah. real conversation they've had and I and maybe I don't know maybe Lan is just cutting it off of the past. You know he's like you know this I can see where this is going, but it can't happen because I'm married to the blade. 
uh, or something. It, it, but it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I believed it. You know, I think they're both, because they're both people that are very aggressive. Mm-hmm. They're both people that would that see something they want and go after it immediately. Yeah. yeah. And for the second time in that chapter, Nynaeve brings up the idea of going to Tarvalon and becoming an Aes Sedai herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because that would get her closer to land, which is a great reason to go to college. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love a mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. In, in short, Lan is too badass for marriage because he courts death like a suitor courts a maiden. Uh, right? Which we still haven't figured out what exactly that means, but sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> he buys uh, her flowers and mm-hmm. takes her out to, like, Dinner, I guess. Yeah, he's, he's married to his job, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, he's like, I'm focusing on my career right now. Which is, maybe it's a dodge. Maybe maybe Land's a little shy, you know. Could be, yeah, could be. He's probably never had a girlfriend before. I mean... I'm sure Land has crushed <laughs> everywhere yeah, he goes. That's not the same as having a girlfriend, though. That's what Fair he does. enough. Whenever he's sleeping at camp, he goes out and finds some strange. <laughs> Land gets down. A girl this in every fucks. city. Camelin, Tarvalon... <laughs> He's like, sorry, baby. The road's calling. Now she's yeah. his lady in Eamon's Field. <laughs> That's right. He's got her all groomed. <laughs> oh. He's like, no, I'm married to the blight. I must go. <laughs> but you know, we can still we can still yeah. bump it if you want. Maybe when I'm back this way. <laughs> there, maybe as he's got a wife literally named Blight. <laughs> no, that could be Mary J. Blight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Nynaeve cries. She's sad. Yeah. Know, she's really into Lan. And Lan, it sounds like Lan is really into her too, though. You know, that's the that's thing. It's like, yeah. they really seem to love each other, but I, I, I think Lan's on. I'm, Lan's right. He's, he's, he's got like a, this, this battle that is part of his culture, part of his history, part of his, like, his ancestry. Right. And he's sworn to Moraine. He, like, does not have time in his life for a relationship ever, you know? Yeah. Although he, he does say that, uh, well, something like a, a, a widow's veil shouldn't be your bride piece, meaning, like, if you married me, I would just die and you'd be sad. Yeah. But he never dies. I mean, he's super good at not Spoilers. dying. That's true. Well, in the, I'm sorry. I meant, like, in, in his history, he's yeah, been he all sorts of dangers. Oh, okay. Never died. Thanks for clarifying. No, I'm not right. saying he never dies. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm very not possible. making a statement. Yeah. Um, but, you're, but you're right. I mean, like, you know, he's he does seem to be pretty good at surviving. But even so, I mean, like, it seems like you don't really retire from being a warder, you know? Yeah, it's, I guess that's true, right? It's like being a, a ice crab fisherman. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly like being an ice crab. <laughs> Which brings up so many questions about his relationships with Moraine, because mm-hmm. I've never gotten any indication that there's anything romantic there whatsoever, but yeah. they it's an interesting relationship to me. There's a very strong closeness there. You'd think they would, because they both seem to be married to their jobs, and mm-hmm. their jobs are together all the time. Yeah. You know? And they're both very... They're grown-ups. You know? Yeah. And what brought him to swear himself to her in the first place? That's what mm-hmm. I'm curious about. So they're basically Mulder and Scully, right? Yeah, but they, they have like a, a serious romantic tension, right? I mean, they bump Scullies eventually, <laughs> don't they? I don't remember. No, but he, the thing is, I'm I'm curious because he swears himself to her, and you'd think that he has more than enough responsibilities on his back already to take on being like making his entire life about protecting this one woman. So mm. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to that's going to come out to explore about this relationship. I hope at least we learn more. So chapter forty nine, the Dark One stirs, and there's another uh, another blight tree. Which, if you look at it, it has, like, the, the fruit on it, which it, I think it says it, it drops, like, rotting fruit that, you know, is yeah, poisoned. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, it's gross. Everything's terrible. Everything yeah. sucks. So, yeah, in the morning, uh, Egwene and Eve have some girl talk about Lan, 
And Egwene gives Lan a dirty look because she's got her bitch's back, you know. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, gives a gives Overies him a dirty before Broveries, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. And uh, they go traveling around, and they start traveling, and and there's this neat scene where Rand's like, "Man, those." Those trees look like they want to kill us, and Lan's like, "They do." Everything <laughs> <laughs> here wants to kill you. And he sees the he sees one of the trees like snatch some creepy monster off the ground, and <laughs> <laughs> just like crush it with its with its Kind of right. awesome. Yeah. And it's actually Moraine's presence as a, a a true source user that is protecting them from all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Seems like there's a lot of benefits to being a channeler, right? Uh, and Lan like. He goes out and like he leaves the party and he and they hear like him fighting and killing giant monsters and he comes back all covered in blood <laughs> and like scarred up and, and Moraine heals him and it's like just it's just how they travel in the in the blight. Yeah. This is not the first time they've done this. <laughs> yeah. And but eventually the, the blight actually starts impinging on them because uh, for some reason they don't quite understand. despite Moraine's one power touching the the trees start attacking them and monsters start coming out at them and they have to start they start fighting their way through the blight against like everything all kinds of crazy like pig monsters with too many eyes and arms and the trees trying to grab them and this is where Perrin is unusually badass because he takes the lead and he's just grimly chopping everything down with his axe so he's kind of come a long way since being that scared blacksmith apprentice right yeah the the wolf the wolf thing seems to be working out for it pretty well. This mm-hmm. all happens very quickly. Yeah, like something, it turns on a switch or something. Yeah. This is around the same time that the battle is supposed to be happening at Tarwin's Gap, so maybe Baalzaman or whoever this, whoever's driving all these dark forces is just putting on a full court press and turning up the, the evil on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we, know that, we know that what they're doing is, is opposed to his plans, and he, do, he probably does too, so maybe he's like, you know, he's aware that things are getting close and he's trying to yeah. do everything he can. Right. This is all going on, and it's getting worse and worse and more dangerous and more dangerous until they hear a sound, a fluting sound, which I'm not exactly sure what that means. It's like... Flute. Kind of hooting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a fluting cry, and everything runs. Everything <laughs> gets out of the way. Uh, and Lance says, it's worms. 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 Yeah. yeah. Again, you know, we have all of these... Horrible things with great names, and then we have the stick. And now, the worst thing in the blight, worms. You know, I saw Tremors, and Tremors That's exactly how I picked it. Yeah, right? Well, it's, it's the, the, the reference I was thinking was Dune. Oh, yeah. The, the sandworms. Mm. You've never seen Dune? No. Oh, I'm going to make you watch Dune. You'll hate it. <laughs> well, sign me up then. All right. Our next podcast, we're going to be watching Dune. Yeah. Yeah. You're not familiar with the with sandworms? Alice Dune? bitching the entire time. No, I'm not familiar with the sandworms. There's no, just it's, like it's giant tube worms. I'm confused because you're gesturing with your hands and I didn't think worms had hands. It, well, it makes sense if you've seen Dune. <laughs> they, they're like these giant worms and they, they have like these mouths that open up like, wah. Just oh, like kind of like in Star Wars? Like in, like in Tremors, actually. Okay. Yes, a lot like in, in Star Wars and Tremors, yeah. yeah. This all right. like Pit Monster. The, all all mm-hmm. those things and this thing, to me, in my opinion, are copying from uh, Dune. Mm-hmm. An iconic piece of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Robert Jordan probably read it. Yeah, but no, no, yeah, Tremors also. Wait, when did Tremors come out? This is like the 90s. 1990, so he was not copying Tremors. Tremors was copying this. Probably so. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, so Worms... Uh, and worms are really, really scary. Everything runs away, so they're running away now, too. Yeah, but then we get to Robert Jordan plot device number 16, which is 
they manage to just manage to make their way into safety yeah. when things get real bad, just like at Shatter Logoth and in the ways and what uh, also, else? Also, when Perrin is running from the the ravens with uh, what's his name, Elias, Elias, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and they make it to the the setting just as the as they're about to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, bad to worse. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, they do make it to apparent safety. They make it to a verdant garden where everything is nice, you know, compared to the the blight. And they meet the Green Man. I was, I was really okay. So I'm glad we met this guy because I've been wondering what the Green Man was. You he's know, a, like, he's a Green Man. They talk about him a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he's basically an ent, kind of right. He's enty. Yeah, he, yeah, he's like an ent. He's a guy made of plants or something. I he he makes me think of Swamp Thing. That's okay. That's actually <laughs> kind of how I pictured him as a giant Swamp Thing. <laughs> yeah, because he's like he's he's. I think they say he's as big as. He's bigger than Loyal, to the, as much as Loyal is bigger than human. So he's yeah. like, so he's big. He's, he's gotta huge. Be like, what? Twenty feet? Yeah, fifteen feet tall. Something, yeah, something like, like that. really, really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and made of plants with acorns for eyes and whatnot. And he's really nice. Yeah, he's friendly. Oh, and he and he, uh, he calls Perrin Wolf Brother, and he calls Rand Child of the Dragon. Yes, he does. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, which Perrin knows what that means, but Rand does not. Uh, I mean, he. It's. I mean. It's not that hard to interpret, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he says he'll take them to the eye of the world. So they have, they have successfully found the green man. Mm-hmm. So chapter 50, meetings at the eye. And there's a leaf. I want to say right out, I found this icon to be misleading. Because the leaf is like, you know, peace and nature and stuff, which is not what goes down at this chapter. No. When I when I got to this, I was like, oh, it's li- they must literally mean the Avendasora tree because... They're here with the green man. There must be an Avendasora tree, but there's not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, there's a whole thing with that. Don't yeah. worry. We yeah. will return. Well, I got the impression because when, when Matt brings it up, the, the green man gives him a look like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like... Uh, he, he gives Rand like, a look. Oh, is it Rand? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they get a brief moment of walking through the green man's garden, which is just wonderful. All the trees are amazing, and the green man makes these beautiful flowers grow, and... He puts flowers in the hairs of all the women. <laughs> Which is that. a little weird, but yeah, sure. He, he doesn't do that to the men, so apparently the green man can see human gender easily. <laughs> and, and he knows the tropes. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lady. You get a lady flowers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I also thought this was interesting because I always... Everything that Robert Jordan writes, I assume, is a result of his tours in Vietnam. And flowers in your hair is a total hippie signifier. Mm-hmm. So this this amazing, paradisical, like, peaceful place is a place where the women all have flowers in their hair. Yeah, so, yeah. They they go in, they find the eye of the world under an Aes Sedai symbol, the whole thing, the yin-yang, the, the black and white with the sinuous line between them. And they they go into the eye of the world, which turns out to be a pool of the one power. And we learned how the, they, they talk about how it was made. <laughs> yeah. It took a, the, the, it was a hundred Aes Sedai, both men and women. And this was after... The blight, or no, not the blight. The the Great. taint yeah. was after the after Sidon was corrupted, right? Yeah. So in order to ensure that they had a pure you know, source of Sidon, they had to kill a hundred Aes Sedai. Yeah, they all killed themselves doing it. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of kind of dark, and they yeah. thought it was so important. Yeah. And that just the fact that it's a, a pool of the one power though freaks everybody out. They like back away from it and press their backs against the wall. Well, specifically, because, it's the male half, which yeah, yeah, everyone, right. everyone knows is like tainted by evil. You yeah, know? just evil. Even though this is yeah, not. Yeah, even though this is not, as far as we know. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really weird and kind of otherworldly. And so they head out, uh, having taken a look at this, because now they found it. Uh, and when they get their way out, there are people there. 
Yeah, shit escalates really quickly. Yeah, really, really And fast. of course, we first find out about their cloaks. We hear about their cloaks. <laughs> it's true, I noticed that. Yep. <laughs> Tell us about their cloaks, Alice. One cloak was a dark gray, the other almost as dark as green, and they seemed musty even in the open air. And the men were not fades. The breeze stirred their cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll find out that these are Forsaken, who have been freed from the Dark One's prison. But they uh, are, were their cloaks trapped in there with them? They must have been. Because they're musty, right? They're old. Yeah. So these are like 3,000-year-old cloaks? Yeah. Yeah. So cloak styles haven't necessarily changed. (laughs) I mean, how much can you do with a cloak? Like, a cloak is a cloak, right? I mean, like, you you can change the the shape of the cloak, the length of the cloak, the edge, whether it's got fringe or no fringe, (laughs) whether it's cut straight or at an angle. Yeah, the merlins, the capulets, the trimming. (laughs) You can change the collar. You can change the whether it's got hoods. You can change whether it's got, like... Okay, you're a cloak historian here. Yeah, nice. I'm just saying, you know, there's lots of options. Anyway, so these... I didn't go to cloak school for nothing. (laughs) Wow. Okay, my master's... You have your master's in cloakology? That's correct. Yeah. Anyway, so I was a little confused by the idea of the Forsaken, but then I just thought of them like Death Eaters from Harry Potter. Yeah. They're kind of like Death Eaters or um, like... The Nazgul. His band of bad guys. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking more like uh, um, apostles, like they're they're the Dark One's apostles. Right? Yeah, it's like that too, like the the first and most influential followers of the Dark One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we know uh, from a couple of mentions here and there that the Forsaken were also uh, really powerful. They were like tremendously dangerous. Uh, yeah, because they all fought each other, so yeah. that the only the most powerful ones. Uh, Gate got to be the the number ones, right. the number one through thirteen, as right. it is. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, these are, uh, they introduce themselves, right? They, as... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Yes, I'm, I'm Agonor. I'll be your Forsaken today. <laughs> this is Balthamel. He doesn't talk much. Yeah, yeah. Ag- Agonor is really, really old. Like, older than any human being has ever been. You know, like, like his face is like parchment. His ears are withered scraps and so on. And they mentioned that the reason this is is because they were closest to the outside or something. Yeah. So they were... They were bound in the Dark One's prison, but they were closest, so that the, the grinding of the wheel affected them. Yeah. So here's my question. If they were the two closest and their names start with A and B, does that mean <laughs> that he's got 26 <laughs> Forsaken there? Oh, yeah. my God. end up with, That's correct. with you know, Zan, Zan, Zanzibar <laughs> <Xander>. with a Z? <laughs> you blow my mind. That worked out well. Yeah. Very lucky. The Dark One likes things to be orderly and easy to find. That's right. You're going to find out the Dark One's a librarian. I want to point out, though, do you know why the Forsaken were able to find them? Because of Matt. Really? Yes. It specifically says... Oh, they followed the dagger. Yeah. Ah! yeah. He says, he guided us. The uh, the hand that pointed to Matt was old and shriveled. Fucking Matt. <laughs> I hate Matt. That's right. Is there nothing Matt cannot screw up? So no. If you, re- like, if you really consider, if you remove Matt from this book... Everything goes a whole lot smoother. Like he fucks up everything. That's he a makes, really good point. Like how many how many things how many big plot driving things were because Matt fucked something up? Well, you know the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. I guess so. Whatever. Yeah. Matt yeah. sucks. So anyway, so we've got Agnor, who's really old, and then we've got Balthamel, who's a, essentially yeah. a gimp. He's a gimp. Yeah, S and M gimp. I don't know if they had that. I guess they did in 1990. I don't know if Robert Jordan knew about S and M gimps. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's he's like head to toe in like painted leather. Yeah, yeah he's like got a, a leather mask. Yeah, leather mask, and I, it doesn't say there's any zippers, but I assume there's zippers <laughs> over you know. his mouth. And it's got a the, a painting of like a crazy a, a, a youth laughing crazily on the on the face of it. Yeah, and he never talks. Right. Yeah, 
It says he no longer speaks with his tongue, which raises some questions there. Yeah, uh, hips don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> he speaks with dance. <laughs> anyway, these dudes are super creepy, and everybody's extremely scared of them because they're literally monsters from children's stories come out, come to like life. Like boogeymen. Well, yeah. and the part that freaked me out, what's the first thing they do? S- smack Lan. Yeah, Lan, of course, he reacts quickly like he does, and yeah, they KO him. Like immediately, bam, yeah. he's down. Throw him. Like that day, the force that hasn't happened to him yet. He hasn't no, met anything yet that he couldn't deal with. Yeah. yeah, just first thing. Yeah, and uh, and Nynaeve tries to help him because she loves Lan, and they grab her and start like like Agonor grabs her by the face and starts torturing her or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like her, her whole body is like, like having a seizure, twitch, twitching in pain. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really really scary. Like these yeah. people seem like they're like they're breaking the rules of reality here. Uh, but before anything else bad can happen, the green man jumps out and grabs Balthamel. And we never really get to learn anything about Balthamel because they, they just murder-suicide each other. Him and the green <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, I know. It's like, well, ba- Balthamel seemed like quite a character, but, you know, I guess Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. Guess Bye, Balthamel. Never, yeah, we don't, we'll never find out why he wore that silly mask. <laughs> yeah. Unless you look at the wiki, which I did. Oh. Is it because his face was worn away or oh, something? Well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. All right. No spoilers. Oh, okay. No spoilers. Uh, but this this actually <laughs> made me really, really sad because, like, the green man was seemed pretty awesome, you know? And yeah. He's, and and he, we know he's the last of his kind because of some, like, conversation. Yeah. Some brief the Forsaken recognize what he is all right away. Yeah. You know? They're like, this is not what you were for or something like that. And then, yeah. You know. So they... Yeah, he the green man grabs Balthamel and Balthamel burns him, but at the same time the green man like makes a bunch of fungus grow inside of him. Mm-hmm. Like and it just they come rupturing out of his whole body. Uh and they kill each other. And then the and then the green man like with the last of his strength, he he puts all of his energy into an acorn and makes a beautiful oak tree uh as, as his funeral pyre with where him and Balthamel used to be, which is really really pretty nice. I mean, that's pretty good. It's a, yeah. If you're going to go yeah, so everybody runs because it's time to run. Except Moraine. Moraine's Except like, Moraine. let's get down. Because well, yeah. Agonor still is, yes. has not been defeated yet. Yeah, Agonor is still there and, and still one, shows no ill effects of anything. Yeah, one, one Forsaken is bad enough. Pretty yeah, much. Moraine yeah. starts using the, the her magic on him and creating like fire and rocks and it doesn't affect him at all. Literally splits the ground beneath his feet and he's just standing there. Yeah. Uh, and so Moraine is throwing everything she has at Agonor, but he doesn't even care. Uh, and everybody else runs... And Moraine is screaming as they're running away. This is really intimidating to me because Moraine, both Land and Moraine have been eminently capable for this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, you, you get the impression they can take out pretty much anything and then the Forsaken just like yeah. knock them out like toys. Exactly, yeah. These guys are scary. In my opinion, they're really scary. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Chapter 51, Against the Shadow, with a symbol of a Heronmark blade. Which so, is, I guess a symbol for Rand at this point. Yeah. Yeah, because he's definitely not doing any blade stuff right now. He's just running. <laughs> so, yeah, Rand is running because, I mean, he's smart, right? He's the him. smartest one. Yeah, that's absolutely. It's running time. Yeah. Uh, but he, unluckily, he runs up and he finds a cliff, a dramatically convenient cliff, <laughs> dropping off hundreds of paces that he can't run any further. And when he turns around, Agonor is there. Like, just, yeah, like his, he didn't make much, make, make much headway with his running. Yeah, no, he didn't. Uh, and whatever Moraine did didn't even slow this guy down. But he mentioned they, they mentioned that Agnor is walking up the hill like it's flat ground, and I was trying to picture that. He's just like kind of leaned back, I guess, <laughs> just like strolling. Maybe that be. I guess that's how they do it in the movie, right? Walking up a cliff. Yeah. Uh, well, it's definitely, he's also getting younger. That's right. Mm. Yeah. And uh, at this point, Rand is freaking out. 
Uh, and he's in, in one of his random moments where he's like, Light, help me. There's nothing I can do. And all of a sudden he sees Agonor's power. He sees this white line of power coming off from the distance and going into Agonar. Like and as an it pulses, Agonar yeah, is younger. That's what I thought I was thinking, too, like an umbilical cord. It sounded um, it sound yeah. very umbilical. A glowing thing. white umbilical cord, yeah. Yeah, yeah. even though I was wondering if, yeah, if this is Rand coming into more of his powers, because they keep talking about these threads and the wheel weaving. So yeah. I was wondering oh, I if, wonder if it's that's a manifestation of his powers, that he can see these things now, maybe. Yeah, right? Possible, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not explained right now, but, but Rand, basically just by seeing it, he starts to get some of that power, too. Like, the, the thread breaks off and goes to him. Mm-hmm. And they, he starts, like, now Agonor's freaked out, right? Because he and Rand are, like, wrestling over this, like, channel of power. He's like, no, it was mine! Or, that, yeah. that's mine! Right, yeah. And Agonor, like, Rand is in, in extreme of emotion, and Agonor is also, and, and like, fire actually comes out of Agonor. Yeah. Uh, right as Rand... Uh, Freaks out and immediately finds himself in another place. He accidentally teleports. In, he accidentally in the middle of the Trolloc battle. Yeah, in the middle of a huge battle between men and Trolloc. Not like the safest place to escape to. Yeah, well, he just says, like, anywhere, away. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like saying, author, Robert Jordan, just write me somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. okay. You got it, buddy. You're in the battle, my man. <laughs> Here, fix this problem. Yeah. And, the, and, and he does. Yeah. And yes, he totally does. He's... He's still freaking out. He's like, it's like the light is driving him, uh, and he starts like does some Dragkar attack him because there's an army of there's an army of Trollocs and Fades and Drakkar at one side, an army of men, armored men on the other, and the Dragkar start attacking him, and Rand just lightning bolts them all <laughs> like out of the sky. He makes lightning bolts come, and then he then he crushes the Trolloc army with like a rolling wave of flesh and and rock and fire. So uh, he's like Deus ex machina over all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's like, just, yeah, just laying yeah. waste. But he still doesn't know what's going on. He's just angry, right? I, I actually really like this description. He, he kneels down and, and grabs the grass, and then the grass catches on fire, and then he, like, shouts, and the wind blows the grass, the grass fire towards the enemies. Uh, I can just, it's so cinematic. I think Robert Jordan is really good at putting this together. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, he's not, he's not in control. He's just like reacting to the situation, and you know, it's with yeah, with, with he's got he's got this tremendous uh, you know power behind his will at this point, right? Uh, and then at this moment, he hears a voice, which I don't even know what this is. Mm-mm. But I was wondering, is it an homage to Terry Pratchett because it's in all caps, like "Death Is" in the uh, Terry Pratchett books? Possible. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, special. Like an otherworldly power or a higher power or something talks like that. Yeah. Is this when did Ringworld come out? Discworld, sorry. Did, uh, you know, I need to look that up. That's a good question. But this is literally the only writing I've ever seen, except from my grandmother, who where somebody <laughs> writes in all caps. <laughs> a higher power like your grandmother. Yeah, exactly. But we really don't know who who says this. I mean, no. it's just, yeah. It's I just, thought it was Balsamon, but I don't think it is. It does. If, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that was my first impression. But if you read it, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like Balsamon because yeah. no, it's uh, the light blind you. This has to end. It is not here. I will take no part. Only the chosen one can do what must be done, if you will. Yeah. Is this the creator? It could be the creator. It's it could be the pattern be. itself. I mean, like mm-hmm. the wheel. I don't know. Maybe the wheel talks. I don't know. Robert Jordan? It could yeah. Be, this is Robert Jordan. Like, no, I'm not going to fix this. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Right. Yeah. This, this, this is not the scene where you fight Balsamon. So <laughs> <Yeah. long. laughs> 
But, so so Rand's like, all right, then I'm going to go fight Balzaman. <laughs> You're right, yeah. He, so he walks up like some magic stairways to that crazy room that he always meets Balzaman in his dreams with the, the screaming faces and the, the everything, and there's Balzaman. He's like, I'm on a roll. Let's just keep this thing going. Balzaman, yeah, who also Balzaman. has a gross cord. Yeah, when he gets there, he can see that Balzaman has a black cord, mm-hmm. uh, a giant black cord full of evil energy, uh, which is very interesting. Like, Because like, Agonor didn't have a black cord. He had a white cord. Yeah, well, with a lot of light, which we associate with goodness, which was confusing to me, because then you've got Balzaman, who has got a cord, which they describe as black and literally eating light. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well you know, I mean, I I think we... Oh, I got the impression that it's because uh, they were not drawing it from the true source. Yeah, yeah. it could be. Yeah, I think that, you know, they're, I think they were drawing it from the eye. Yeah. Yeah, that, mm. that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, because it runs out. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were, uh, what are they called? Crazy straws. <laughs> Crazy straws to the, to the one, to the, yeah, the world. Uh, but yeah, but Balsamon does also have one of these crazy straws, but his is black and evil, and it, it, it's interesting the way they describe it. They say it's actually bigger than he is, but it, you know, it plays like a trick with your mind, so yeah. even though it's really big, he looks like... Yeah, I think that's one of those things you can write, but you can't visualize. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't, I could not really picture this, and that's, I guess that's the point. Yeah, so Balzaman gives Rand the pitch, the same old pitch, join me and serve forever in hell, or whatever. <laughs> this really unconvincing sales pitch that he's been giving him for the whole, the whole thing. And then, like, to convince him, he shows him his mother being tortured? Yeah, I know. That I mean, makes like, sense. I, I gotta be honest, like, for the Lord of Lies, he's really bad at the, the right kinds of lies. <laughs> yeah, right? He does not, he needs to read the room. He does not have a measure of this audience at all. Hey, Rand, if you join me, then you can hang out with your, you can go back to your town, you can, like, herd a bunch of sheep, but these are gonna be really great sheep. We'll make sure you have the best sheep. Yeah. You know, if the Dark One said that, I think Rand would go for it. Yeah, he'd probably go for it, yeah. right? <laughs> Matt would totally go for that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, so he shows him his mother, and it's, this is creepy too, because he the Balsamon says basically, I have control over people that are dead. Even people that we we have no reason to think were evil, like Rand's mother. Yep. He tries to show him Nynaeve and Egwene, but Rand knows they're still alive, so it doesn't work. But he shows him his mother and then shows her being tortured with hot pincers and all this crazy stuff. So and I mean like yeah. Does that does that really mean everybody who dies, Balsamon gets them if he wants them? So, so they they say so. some, they say something That's interesting grim. that she should have been protected by the light, but apparently because his seals because his 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 prison is weakening, he has like the power to reach into oh, places okay. where he know it wasn't normally. Because I think he says something. Let's see where is it. Um, I can't find it. But the the point is, uh, I think that wasn't always true. But now he's able to like. Reach even into oh, okay. the good side of the dead things, I guess. I so know. that's pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, to think everybody who dies, even good people who die, are potentially being tortured by him. Yeah. And I thought it the whole time it was just he was, Balsamon was making it up. It was this psychological <laughs> fucking with him. But we, but Rand, Rand is seeing his mom being tortured and he gets a blade of light <laughs> and manages to. I don't even understand what's going on here, but from the midst of the brilliance, he heard a whisper. Thank you, my son, the light, the blessed light. And then the mom's gone. Yeah, he, he so fries all the Myrdal that, that are torturing his mom. And his yeah. mom too, I guess. So it sounds like he might have actually set like her free was, for real. That realsies. was really happening. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, that's nightmarish. Yeah. yeah. 
And then Randa's like, you shouldn't have fucked with my mom. <laughs> That's right. That's where you went too far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could just, you could destroy the world and, you know, cast shadow upon all, all the all the living, but, you know, man, you yeah. fucks with my mom. Yeah, and he chops the, uses his, his blade to chop the black cord going to Balsamon, and then fries Balsamon in a room full of fire. That's right. So there's another question, if we bring back this cord to the idea of the umbilical cord, we also have this idea of rebirth going on, right? These constant cycles that keep oh, happening true. through the yeah. middle of time, so... Yeah, the, yeah, that's the power. Like the, the goodness that sustains you comes to this umbilical cord, mm-hmm. and when you we chop it, you're on your own. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, and this uh, he kills Balsamon. Yeah. He, he cuts him off from the whatever the power is, and he and he burns him alive, and he withers like a leaf, and he's dead. Man, if only we had known it was that easy. You should have done that from the beginning, right? Well, they've been traveling here this whole time to do that, right? I guess so. Series over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the end. Good well, job. That was, that was a good series. Thanks for nice work, Robert Jordan. <laughs> yeah, it. right. And after this happens, I guess this pocket dimension that they're in or whatever collapses and, and Rand falls out, falls somewhere, KO. He's out. But so yeah, this, this, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting point. It's a, it's a little room that collapses. It's not the prison, right? Yeah, right. So this, this it's not part the of the dark, dark one had escaped from the prison, I suppose. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, or, or it's a projection or it's a good question. Yeah. I, I don't exactly know. How this works, and Rand doesn't know how it works. Also, he doesn't Very know true. what's going on. It's yeah. all chaos. Yeah. Uh, one nice touch that I like is all those screaming faces on the stones when Balsamon gets killed. They all smile. Yay! <laughs> They're like, <"That's> <laughs> which is really pretty cool. They're like laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, chapter fifty-two. There is neither beginning nor end. Oh, that sounds ominous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the icon is a leaf. Like, yeah. So Rand wakes up in a pile of Agonor's ashes. Yeah, he's like, oops, I got some Agonor on my shirt. <laughs> so apparently when they were struggling, Agonor just went too far. Burned himself right and up. And burned himself right up. So if it's, if that was a contest to see who could drink harder through the straw, Rand was more powerful in the power than Agonor was, one of the Forsaken. Yeah, the, I think uh, Moraine mentioned like a long time back that... Uh, the the amount of the one power you can draw varies from person to person, yeah. and it's dangerous to draw too much. I think that's also what happened to the the yeah. Manetheran, right? It was like the the queen right. drew too much of the one power and just like nuked herself. So. Yeah. So yeah, Agonor and that's just, that's what happened to the dragon in the prologue. He, he freaked out and drew too much power. That's right. Yeah. So Agonor, I guess, drank too fast from the side in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Agonor's ashes, uh, Balthamel got mushroomed, uh, Baalzaman has been burned. This is a really good, a really good moment, right? A really good scene for our good guys. He's been like cleaning up in this chapter, you know? Yeah. He, uh, he believes that Shaitan is dead because he just killed him. Uh, and he says Shaitan is dead and the world lurches. That's interesting. <laughs> interesting. That, that name you're not supposed to say out loud. He who must and, not be named. And so he, eventually he makes, he's all beat up and he makes his way back to the clearing and uh, everybody else is luckily alive. Moraine is really hurt. Uh, she's sort of laying there being tended by Nynaeve and Egwene. And Moraine kind of explains what was going on, which we've already spoilerized a little bit, but the Agonor and Balthamel were close to the surface in the Dark One's prison. So as it weakens, they're the first ones to get out. Right. And so that's, that's why they were there, and that's why they were, like, fresh out of the prison, you know, super old and, and, and fucked up looking. Right. I think they mentioned it, too, when they first introduced themselves. He says something like, oh, you know, the, remember they say something about the time, the wheel of time grinding on them. Like, yeah, because they were close to the surface, so they, yeah. that's why the, the time has affected them. They yeah. got all chafed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like ah. you do. 
And uh, Rand finally puts two and two together that he was channeling the one power in this battle. And uh, and Moraine, she knew that. Yeah. And Egwene and Nynaeve are horrified, right? Like, Egwene shrinks from his touch, you know, because this is, this is super bad. It kind of bugged me that they reacted so strongly, but I guess it kind of makes sense because, like, literally every person who's touched the, yeah. the one power as a male has just, like, gone insane and murdered everyone. Yeah, it's like being radioactive or, or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so there, this is a, a kind of a dark moment, and Rand is like, oh my god, what am I? You know, it's, it's all his worst fears come true. Right. And uh, Moraine is still like, you know, uh, you're, I'll take care of you, just keep doing what I say. Uh, and he, he hurls some venom at her. He says, you know, the Dark One, is this where that happens? Where uh, he talks about the other false dragons? Not yet. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's shortly after. Um... Yeah, he, but he, first Egwene and Nynaeve <coughs> are like, you know what? You're still Rand. You're still yeah. Rand. You know? They get over it, which is you know it's a bit of a shock yeah. after all that's happened. So, but they're they're still on his side because I guess Nynaeve is a good person. Yeah, uh, I mean you know she's <laughs> something. She's fine. Yeah, so whatever. But yeah, Rand is like you know the Dark One told me that the Tarvalon uses the false dragons as puppets, men who can channel and uses and manipulates them, and I'm not going to be manipulated. And Moraine, again, does not deny it. Uh, she says, you know, well, you should just shouldn't believe what the Dark One says because he lies all the time. And she also says, a tool made for a purpose is not demeaned by being used for that purpose. Yeah. No. Not reassuring Moraine. <laughs> no. So they, they, they do not tell the others, though, about Rand, that he can channel. And we get the mystery of Bella solved, too, because way, way, way back yeah. we found out that... When uh, Moraine was going around and giving energy to all the horses when they were first leaving yeah. the two rivers, um, Bella didn't. Bella was doing great, and we never knew why. And then we found right. out. Well, Rand was riding Bella, and he was apparently performing magic yeah. on her. And we remarked on it somewhat as we went. But if you look as you're reading the book, there are times when Rand, Rand thinks something like, "Light anything, anything, save me," or like, "I'll do anything." Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when these things happen to him. That's he was thinking that. Like, light, just let Bella keep up with us, you know? Mm-hmm. He was at, at an extreme. Okay. And there was the moment with the lightning bolt in Four Kings. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah, He's yeah. like, light, save me, light, save me, there's nowhere to go. And then just a freaking lightning bolt hits the place. Yeah, and murders yeah, people. Yeah, and, and there's always a period where he gets sick a little bit after that. Mm-hmm. That's right. And when the, on the boat, when the Trolloc almost got him and the boom comes swinging out, the boom that Florim Gelb swore he tied down. Oh. And then he got the blame for it because it was actually Rand using his, his one power. All right. Yeah. So there's there's like there throughout the whole book, all these crazy things that are happening to Rand can be explained by this. Mm-hmm. He's been channeling, like you do. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool. I think that Robert Jordan is just really good at that at, at constructing a, like a deep world that that has more meaning as you as you read more into it. Yeah. So, but the others uh, besides Nynaeve, Egwene, and Moraine uh, and Lan. The others do not know that he can channel, uh, because Moraine tasked them to send them off to go check out the Eye of the World, which is now drained. So I think, it's not explicitly said, but I think you're right, Micah, that these these threads of light were the, them attaching to the Eye of the World and using its power. Right. And uh, it's unclear what, what it was made for. Is this the thing it was made for, to like to aid Rand in his battle against Balsamon 3,000 years later? Well, Ma- Maureen even says, even afterwards, she says, you know, we I, I guess this could have been what it was for. We don't really know. Yeah. Uh, was it for that, or was it for protecting 
the quest rewards that we just found. <laughs> the <laughs> the loot. There's no quest rewards. <laughs> oh, yeah, we they... finished our quest. Let's go loot the room. <laughs> yeah. And so they do. And so they do. And so they, yeah, they find a, a really cool treasure chest, which is bizarre and doesn't even look like a chest. It's a weird box. But of course, Moraine knows how to open this ancient chest <laughs> with the secret latches because she just reads books on this stuff. Yeah, I know. She just looks at it for a minute and is like, do, 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 do. Yeah. So they find, I have a little inventory here. <laughs> yeah. They find, find one broken seal of the Dark One's prison. Meh. Kind of a lame quest reward. Well, it's, it's a plot thing, you know. Yeah. Some I people mean, are into the lore. <laughs> I guess. It's made, but it's made from Quendalar, which is... Yeah, Quendalar, Heartstone, which is something that cannot be broken, except it's broken. Yeah. So this is a this is a big deal that this thing that we just found out about cannot be broken. It's been broken. <laughs> uh, anyway, they also we also find out that there are seven seals of the Dark One's prison, well, and this was one. Six now, I guess. Yeah, six now. Yeah, and yeah. we know it's really strong because Land broke his his steel dagger <laughs> of it, hitting it as hard as he could. This, that's true. The if you, steel if even Land can't break it, then it must be really strong. <laughs> that's right. That means it cannot be broken. Right. <laughs> they also find the Horn of Valir. That's pretty good. Which we've heard about a little bit, but uh, it's a little unclear what exactly how important that actually is. But the, our heroes are very impressed by the Horn of Valir, and it has written on it, "The grave is no bar to my call." Yeah, in yeah. the old tongue. Yeah, I think I think the someone says like you know the you, you blow it to summon the the heroes of ages past to to fight the dark one in the final battle. That's what the Horn of Valir is. That seems like pretty OP loot. I mean, like mm-hmm. this is just like their first big quest. Yeah, they're just going to use it every encounter for me. <laughs> I would, right? I mean, like, this is like, let's wait. blow this now. Oh, wait, we don't have enough money to pay this innkeeper, and, and he's threatening to, to make us wash dishes or something? I'm going to blow the one of Which is, yeah, that, and that's very impressive to them. They also find the banner of Luz there in Telamon, the dragon, which is really cool. It's like a it's like a big old banner that, that takes two people to hold, and it's it's like got golden thread and, and, and it's got a, a dragon which they don't know what a dragon is so it actually describes it like some kind of lizard creature with four legs and like a maned head which mm-hmm. I, I, it sounds a little bit like a Chinese dragon a yeah, it figure like a, like a serpent yeah a serpent with, with uh, four legs with claws and a mane but they do not recognize it they do not say hey that's a dragon yeah so except like, they know what dragons are they don't they don't but they, they call but they call Rand the dragon well they, what does the, that mean the dragon is a guy Oh yeah, they never they don't know what an actual like and uh, presumably when is. when the dragon was named the dragon they knew what dragons were but these people don't know the hmm. the idea of a dragon yeah as a as a lizard creature yeah. okay it's just like a, yeah. a, a powerful just, male trench yeah it's just a funny thing that Robert Jordan did the, the dragon refers to a specific person mm-hmm. interesting yeah so yeah so this is like a like a cosmetic item I guess you know? <laughs> yeah right this is yes yeah, we wear it to make yourself look really cool in the social areas right exactly. And, and that's pretty neat. <laughs> Alice, these jokes are really, really funny if you're into video games. <laughs> People that play RPGs are, like, laughing right I'm now. I'm just shaking my head at y'all. <laughs> but the point is, they have all the... They get some loots, and uh, I guess they're pretty good, you know? I mean, what, the Horn of Villiers is pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, they're mostly... It's mostly plotline loots, you know? Yeah. Not a lot of equipment. No no rogue stuff for Matt. No, I know. No no, well, he's already got his, there. like... Tainted magic dagger. Oh, yeah, so, the, I mean. the, the dagger plus one to ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what they got. And they all uh, they go to sleep because they just had a really terrifying battle against the Forsaken. And Rand's like, hopefully I can finally go home. Yeah, not likely. Yeah, sorry, man. Because that would be a boring book. <laughs> a boring next 13 books of this series. <laughs> <laughs> Rand, Chris Tavakin, Good <laughs> Sheep. Yeah, chapter 53, The Wheel Turns. 
And this is an icon that we haven't seen since the very first chapter, the, the Wheel of Time. Yeah. Uh, also, or the Great Serpent, and or, both of them. Both of them, yeah. The serpent eating its own tail. Yeah. So they wake up, and the, the garden is... Autumn has come to the garden. Uh, the, the, the leaves are falling off the trees. The whatever power that was keeping everything healthy here in the Blight is, is fallen. It's pretty sad, because it's been there for, like, thousands of years. Yeah, moving around in different places. Yeah. Uh, and they're as they're leaving, they're really sad, and Loyal decides to sing one of his OGR tree songs for... Uh, I wanted to say Treebeard. Uh the, the Green Man. The Green Man. Yeah. yeah. For the Green Tree Man. Brother, I think that's what he calls him. Tree yeah. Brother. Yeah. Uh, Loyal decides to sing one of his Ogier tree songs for the Green Man's uh, oak tree that is his his funeral marker. And uh, it because it looks like the oak tree is about to die too, along with everything else, but he sings like a magic Ogier song, which is really amazing to listen to, apparently. Uh, and, and kind of heals the tree and and he says the tree's not gonna die now. The tree will stay alive. Yeah. Which is really nice. It's a nice yeah. way to memorialize the, the, the green man who made a lot with his, his small amount of screen time. Yeah. That's right. I mean, like, well, I mean, we assume we don't really know much about Baphomel. <laughs> yeah, we assume he's a... It's yeah. true. Maybe it maybe really sucked. Yeah. <laughs> They're heading back, and on the way back, the Blight is, like, not attacking them. The Blight is subdued yeah. because the, a great blow has been struck against the Shadow, and it's all sort of connected. Yeah, presumably the Dark One is dead, and that means that the... Before, the Blight was guided by his hand, and now yeah. he's just kind of doing his thing. And there's, there's a weird bit where they pass by the Seven Towers of Malkir again, and Rand can see the towers kind of shimmering there above the broken stumps. Yeah, he sees the banner, fl- the golden heron banner yeah. flying above and it. and he, he blinks, but it doesn't go away. Yeah. So Ooh. so what is that? Uh, I mean, he now he, he ha- we know that he has a new connection to the one... One source, maybe he's seen. Well, maybe it's connected with that. Maybe because yeah. isn't that wasn't that a thing? Like some people who have, some people have a like a, a seeing power. Oh yeah, maybe that's like a, a, yeah, one like of the a foretelling things. or something yeah, foretelling, like that. Yeah. So maybe you know, I mean, now yeah. that he's got connection to one power, maybe he's yeah. discovering new powers. It's kind of like uh, Min. Min. Yeah. I was gonna say it's like Yoda. Oh, <laughs> it's like, like they're seeing the ghost of Yoda after at the, at the end of the movie. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. True. So they get back to Faldara, and it's a celebration. Yeah, everything is great. They're like it's a miracle. We thought we were all going to die, and we just mostly died. They, they weren't talking a lot about how they won, though. Mm-hmm. They're just like, "Yay, we won!" Yeah, not all of them apparently saw what really happened. They just saw that earthquakes and fire and stuff killed all of our enemies, which is yeah, you know, the wins a win, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. We put that one in the W column. <laughs> what you, what we put together here is that that battle that Rand was in the middle of what that was the battle between the Shinarans and the Trollocs at Tarwin's Gap. Which they were not doing. They were losing. They were doing yeah, very poorly. because they, they were so outnumbered. And, and Rand, even the odds for them with his, his crazy magic freakout, he teleported in and killed all the Trollocs, which is really unfair to the Trollocs, because I think they won that fair and square. I know. I mean, like, they, they did all the planning. They brought, like, the, the they, they took the field, and they were... I mean, they were doing really well. And then someone just presses the win button. Come on. That's very, that's <laughs> yeah. very frustrating. You're playing as the Trollocs. <laughs> right. And so they, they go talk to Agamar, the, the lord, uh, and he's not as happy as everybody else because he saw what was going on. He saw that it was a male channeler that was winning the battle for them. And he's like, that, that's a thing that must not be. Yeah, I, I think he said that a lot of people were saying, oh, the, the creator himself stepped in. But he's like, no, I just saw a man. Yeah. Which is not good. That's bad news. Right. Yeah, so Moraine updates Agomar. I think this is the last we see of him in this book. 
that uh, the green man is dead and the eye of the world is gone, so don't send anybody else to quest for it in the plight. <laughs> He's just, like, just heads up. And he's like, oh, well, that's sad. And she says, but check this out. It shows him the Horn of Valir. And he's like, that's great. That'll win all the battles. And then she says, oh, but you can't use it. Sigh. And so he says, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Aww. A, real, a real roller coaster of emotions here. For, check this out. For oh, Iowa. no, you can't. You can't have it. Yeah. Uh, which I guess there's a good reason not to use it. I mean, if it summons the Heroes of Ages to win battles for you. She's, yeah, I mean, she says, like, it belongs in Ilion, which we, that, I mean, we don't really, like, we know that it's a thing, but yeah, Ilian's always questing for the horn. Yeah, you've heard of the Great Hunt of the Horn. Right, That's yeah. what it is. But but we know, she doesn't really explain why Ilian has to have the horn. Yeah, that's that's just lore that we just haven't had in this book. The best explanation she provides is that anyone blowing the horn gains power, including a dark friend. But I mean, like, presumably Aglomar's not a... Aglomar's not a, a dark friend, so... I mean, yeah, right? And Moraine knows she's not, but she just blow it. Yeah. Right, they should have, like, like I said, they should have blown that horn right then and there to get out of the blight. Easiest way out. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> All the heroes of the ages show up and you're like, Kara, yes. We really don't want to walk. It's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> right, so flash forward. Rand is practicing his sword with Lan. <laughs> Playing with his sword. Lan's being like, a jerk I'm very again. badass. Calling him a sheep herder. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that's like tough guy stuff, you know. It's, it's good for him. Put hair <laughs> in his chest. Yeah, it's a uh, friendly ribbing. Yeah, and he and Egwene have, a, have another kind of nice, bittersweet moment. And Rand says that, you know... He's leaving. He's I'm running away. Yeah, he's running away because he can channel. And he's going to go crazy. He's going to go crazy. And so he's getting away from everybody that he knows, which probably. is really kind of grim, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, to, to be fair, he's probably right. I mean, like, that's happened to every male channeler since the the the, the tainting of the side in. Like, there's no, there has not been somebody who hasn't gone crazy and killed everyone they love. So, yeah. Like, there's not, it's not a great uh, prognosis for him. Right? Well, except he's saying, he's not saying I'm going to go crazy. He's saying I'm not going to touch it ever again. Yeah. But yeah. he's worried that if he can't resist. So it looks like everybody else is going to Tarvalon except for him. Yeah, everybody else. Even Perrin. Yeah. Which is, uh, I guess he just wants to see Tarvalon. I, you know, he's yeah. seen a little bit of the world. I mean, I don't know why Perrin wants to go to Tarvalon. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he doesn't have a good reason for I think it. he's I'm... depressed. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All right. He's just kind of going along with it because he doesn't feel like he belongs anymore because yeah. he's a wolf. Yeah. A lone wolf. He's a, he's a wolfkind or whatever. Hang dog. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. meanwhile, Moraine is like... And Moraine is listening with magic. And she's like, that's the first thing I ever learned is to listen to people with magic. Gotcha. Yeah. She's like really happy with herself. But she's, uh, she's listening and she says... The prophecies will be fulfilled. The dragon is reborn. Boom. The yeah, end. The end. Yeah. Which, I mean... End book one. I think we know what that means. Yeah, so Rand is the dragon. This... this well, she believes he Maureen's, is. Yeah, at least Moraine thinks so. The dragon reborn, which is something that happens in the prophecies that ends the age. It's she doesn't seem deal. upset about it, though. She seems pleased. Yeah. yeah. So, so she seems to think that's not a bad thing, though yeah. everyone else seems to think the dragon actually being reborn is a terrible, terrible thing. Well, yeah. I was confused why she was so pleased, because she's listening, overhearing him saying that he's going to leave everybody and not go to Tarvalon, which seems like that has been her goal the entire time, to get him to Tarvalon. Well, I mean, that's what he thinks he's going to do, but Moraine has so far been pretty good at manipulating people to get them to do what she wants them to do. Sure. Yeah, yeah it seems like this is... Rand even mentions that Moraine, that she hasn't been talking to me, she doesn't care. Clearly, she totally cares. This is just part of the manipulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, I think she thinks that letting him go on his own, that's part of the part of what needs to happen. I think when she was going to take him to Tarvalon, she was gonna, then she was going to take him to the Blight afterwards. It was like, go to Tarvalon, you know, get 
train some him more up a little bit, maybe, or train or... him a little bit because, like, he, he at this point, at this point, she didn't know that he was going to be able to handle the right, the, yeah. The side in, in just the prepare, room. maybe talk to some of her allies, uh, but then she had to skip all that. Uh, and also something that I noticed because I think this is a great stinger of an ending is that Moraine was like, this is the first thing I learned when I was growing up as a girl in the royal palace of Carrion. Yeah. First thing we ever learn about Moraine's backstory. That's mm-hmm. right. We don't, yeah, we still don't even know her last name, right? Yeah. Yeah. But she grew up in the royal palace. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, that's book one of The Eye of the World. Thanks, for, thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> the end. The end. So, what are your thoughts? Overall? Yeah. Uh, it was fun. Um, it holds up overall. Uh, I, I, we, we spent the whole time talking about the, the whole book talking about this, but it was, it was very, it felt very different reading it now as opposed to reading it then. There's a lot more, whether it's a product of my having read a lot more since, since then, or a product of just like, you know, wisdom of being a little bit older, but I, I see a lot of like obvious tips and like, tropes that the Robert Jordan draws on that didn't yeah. seem so obvious to me the first time I read these. I feel the same way. I think I appreciated it more this go around. I feel like I got more out of it. I, I agree. Yeah, there's a lot of... It's really a pastiche, right? There's a whole lot of elements that he's drawn from a bunch of different places and put them together in a way that still feels really new. Mm-hmm. And, and you tie that with the way he writes uh, action scenes, really, basically. The way he writes his prose is just really, really compelling sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that makes it that makes it work really well. Some of his characters are not so strong. Yeah, I, I agree. He 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 writes. I think he writes uh, an interesting world, and I think he writes really good action scenes. But I don't think he's very. He's actually very good at writing realistic people. I haven't seen many characters that are much more than like a little bit of a stereotype of, of one sort or another. It's true. They're a little two-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he seems to go for more of a broad cast of characters than, than depth of individual characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he's writing, like, weird, you know, mystery structures and, like, history and, like, yeah. mythologies into his world, it's super interesting. Yeah, really good at the mythology, really good at seeding interesting stuff that's going to pay off later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it rewards rereading, and also it, it gives the whole world a really strong feel. Yeah. I still think that they should have chopped out those middle chapters, though, that are just Matt and oh yeah, Rand just Matt traveling. and Rand traveling yeah. and traveling and traveling. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I, even like now looking back. I don't see a lot of purpose to those chapters. If they had had one encounter with Dark Friend, one town, and then like they were in Camelin, it probably could have accomplished the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he he wanted to establish that adventuring sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that basically that being. Being a wanderer in these worlds is not great. Yeah. yeah. Adventuring sucks, like you say. It's usually portrayed as being really fun. And I think he wanted to establish that this world is extremely dangerous for them because the Dark Friends are after them. Uh, I just think he overdid it, you know? Yeah. He could have find, found a better way to do it. He may have just written himself into an authorly hole and, and had trouble getting out of it, too. It's possible, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, other than that, there were very few parts that were uh, dull, you know? Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of like, fantasy epic kind of stories that end up in where there are a couple points where you're just like, okay, I feel like I could flip through these chapters and not miss anything, but yeah. that doesn't seem to happen much of them. He has the ability that that I think George R. R. Martin shares, and that Tolkien did not necessarily share, of, of 
painting a really compelling picture in just a few sentences. Uh, not he doesn't always succeed. Sometimes he over describes things, but I think he can, with just a few paragraphs, he can like give you a really good feel of what Shadar Logoth looks like. Even though most of what happened in there was pure action, mm-hmm. but you still, I felt like you have a good feeling for what it was like. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and uh, that's. That's one of the things that makes this book, even though this book is incredibly long and is very dense with information that makes it difficult to read, I, I always found it really easy to, to get through. Yeah. I think because there is so much action that yeah. helps with the reading. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would agree. Yeah. I was also surprised, too, how creepy some of the parts, a lot of elements in the book are. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. and I, I don't read fantasy expecting to get creeped out, but... Like, all of Shatter Logoth, and then I thought the blight was really creepy, and the ways mm. were terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember those horror elements. Yeah, me either. They're, they're kind of, like, cosmic horror elements mm-hmm. to it. That that surprised me this time, too. Yeah. So, there's an, there's an interesting moment here where Egwene is reciting what they've said a, mo- a number of times. The Dark One and all the Forsaken are bound at Shile Goal, bound by the Creator, and Moraine... Sounds. It says she gets impatient by this. She's saying, no, guys, like this is not the reality the way it is. And I know we make a lot of connections back to Robert Jordan's previous experiences in Vietnam, but I was wondering if this was a reflection of his own frustration about he had experienced this reality, but these people who were so far removed physically mm-hmm. from what was actually happening, it's they're just mouthing these platitudes, and that reflects his own frustration. Mm, yeah, these people that are just sort of saying something without really thinking about it or really knowing what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so that so he he might have thought of people back in the world when he was in Vietnam as being people who didn't really know what was going on in in the blight of Vietnam. Yeah, cuz yeah. yeah, the blight is like a jungle. They say it's super hot, that it's like sticky. I mean, that's that's kind of what it was like. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the blight is Vietnam. The blight is Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, that's you, so great. You yeah. Go in there everything there is just like like everywhere you look, there's things like running through the. Yeah, it's like you can't. There's danger everywhere. You like literally everywhere. You step on dangerous things. Even things that don't look dangerous are dangerous. Yeah. Like in Vietnam, like it's totally the jungle. Yeah, it, it totally is, and I think. And they're like they're like a patrol of like soldiers on patrol out in the jungle, terrified. Like they're just a small group of people with no backup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these guys at Shinar. Yeah. Are 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 this are the soldiers they know what's going on because you have all these people out in the world especially like back in the two rivers who are so completely removed from everything that's happening they have no idea what the reality is they don't even know what's real even yeah. even in Camelot a big city that's you know very cosmopolitan they they should know about what's going on in the world they know nothing they they, they think yeah. that uh, loyal is a trollic you know yeah they think it's all fairy stories yeah and the the people that are actually doing the fighting the Shinarans they have no illusions about anything they're they they know they they know who Loyal is immediately. They know how to talk to an Ogier. They're they're friends with the Aes Sedai because they know the Aes Sedai aren't evil. Uh, they're yeah, wow. So it's like the people who really can see Vietnam, who are there, are the only ones who can who can believe it. Mm-hmm. It's like a fog of war thing. That's very interesting. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so that's it for this ultimate episode of the the Eye of the World covering of our podcast. Uh, next time. Uh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna take a little break for a few weeks, but uh, we'll come back and next time we're gonna be starting in on the Great Hunt, Book Two of the Wheel of Time. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Mike Sparkman. Uh, please, uh, if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, send them to hello at the dragonreread dot com. Please share us, 
uh, with anybody you think will like us. Give us good reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you got this. And please like us in real life. We're because we're very likable. It's important to us. Yeah. So likable. Yeah. Until next time. The, the light, light illumined you. you.